This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another episode of the Swarmcast previewing Iowa-Minnesota, which could ultimately lead to one of the two teams winning the Big Ten West. Can't really imagine saying that three weeks ago at all, after Iowa was quote-unquote left for dead after the 54-10 loss to Ohio State. But really, really happy to uh, have my buddy Ryan Burns here to preview everything for Minnesota and for us just to go back and forth. Ryan, I, I, I always appreciate talking to you, bud. Thanks for hopping. Yeah, it's, I'm glad to see your voice. Last time it was, we'd had a couple one six seven in Indianapolis before Big Ten Media <laughs> Days. Some bets were made. I'm feeling pretty good about you having to pay for a lot of my drinks next year. So I'm feeling yeah. okay today. Hey, you know what? It, it's just revenge for what uh, what the past year was because I got you last year. I think yep. you're going to have me on this year too. I know. Well, I'm very curious. How are the bets coming along? With who else did you make bets with? Because you were on a you were on a I was on a, yeah, I was on a heater that night. I made some <laughs> bets with the Nebraska guys that I feel pretty good about. I made some bets with the, our Wisconsin guys. I know I took the under on eight and a half, which I feel really good about, obviously. Yep. I thought their defense was going to take a step back. Turned out I was right there. But, again, I'm, I'm also the guy that thought Minnesota was going to win the West. And uh, technically they still have a chance, but it's, uh, it's certainly a lot harder path than Iowa's is with two weeks to go. Yeah, I mean – Let's face it, whoever gets to Indianapolis, it's the Ohio State Invitational, as I'm going to call it this year. It's not a Big Ten championship. If that gives you any preview, I think Ohio State beats Michigan by at least two or three touchdowns this year. I think I think their ceiling's wow. a lot higher. But that's not what we're here to talk about. So let's dive in this Iowa-Minnesota matchup in a game that, honestly, Ryan, could end in two and a half hours because I don't see either <laughs> team throwing the ball a lot. Taking it, uh, you know, ground and pound. But, you know, I've been very pleasantly surprised with Mo Ibrahim just because not not that he doesn't have the ability to continue to do what he did, but just after that horrible injury for him to be as consistent as he still ha- is this season and the way he was last year, it really seems like he has not lost a step whatsoever. No, and especially with an Achilles injury. I mean, we've seen that be, you know, I guess the Achilles heel for a lot of running backs is you have one of those and your days are limited. You didn't know what he was going to look like. You knew what he looked like in spring and fall practice. But until the the lights came on on Saturdays, you didn't know. And all he's done is have, you know, he was named the Big Ten running back of the week this past week. He was the 2020 Big Ten running back of the year. And statistically, he's on pace with that 2020 season right now. He's getting 30 to 35 carries every week. I believe he's number one in the Big Ten in yards after contact, number three in missed tackles forced. I mean, and especially in a game like, I hate talking about weather and football games because I think it's incredibly overplayed, (laughs) but I think it's worth discussing that the game this weekend 
It's projected to be, I believe, 15, 16 degrees at kickoff. And it's going to be a northwest wind about 10 to 13 sustained. So you're talking wind chills around five degrees. Like, I think that matters in a game like this where that's cold. I mean, this is going to be the coldest game of the Fleck era. We had one of these, I think, eight years ago when Minnesota played Wisconsin. It was below zero. Uh, I mean, a lot of people remember that Vikings-Seahawks game that was played at TCF Bank Stadium where Bud Grant comes out in a in like a polo and it's negative 25 and you're thinking to yourself old man what are you doing but in a game like this i don't know who's going to want to hit mo you know on the 27th carry or whatever it may be but if there was ever a defense i mean we just got off with kirk Sharaka, uh, minnesota's offensive coordinator yeah. he called this the best iowa defense he's he's seen and he's been in this game a long time so it is going to be something to where mo has run for 18 straight 100 yard games I wonder if that streak is going to come to an end here on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's one of the most intriguing things for me, too. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for Minnesota's running game. Their offensive line, I think, continues, you know, just stay stay the course. I think they've done a nice job. Again, Mo Ibrahim's done a really nice job. But this Iowa defense, I, I agree with him. And I said before the season in an article, I said this could be Iowa's best defense in the Kirk Ferentz era, which is crazy when you think about some of the past defenses. But I – I've also been a believer that Phil Parker has won the Broyles Award this year. I just don't know who deserves it because the fact that Iowa's in position to win the Big Ten West with an offense that's 130th in total yards, Ryan, and <laughs> in total offense, and they were down very dead last for majority of the season, actually. But Iowa's defense is allowing 3.82 yards per play, which is the lowest in the FBS since 2011 when Alabama had it. I think the second team is like 3.99, which that's a huge gap. It doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a huge gap from one to two. So I, I agree with them. I just think you look at this Iowa defense. They, I believe they kept Ohio State under 100 rushing yards. They haven't really been beat on the ground. I think the Ohio state game was just a weird game and, you know, giving up 54 points, it feels weird to say this, but Iowa actually played really well defensively. They did. I remember watching that game. I'm with you. Iowa turned the ball over six times you know, Ohio state for their first seven drives were at Iowa's 35 or closer. And Iowa gave up four field goals, which is unbelievably impressive when you look at that wide receiver room. But you know, something else I want to dive into with this Minnesota team is, Offensively, I mean, I feel like they've just been scorched with injuries, especially in skill position players this year. Um, and maybe I haven't kept up with it, but what's the latest on on Tanner Morgan? Is he going to start on Saturday, or is uh, another quarterback that I was pretty familiar with, Athen, going to end up starting? Yeah, so that's going to be the big uh, injury question mark for Minnesota. Is it Tanner Morgan? Is it Nathan Kaliak Manis? We don't know. We get PJ on Mondays. We ask him, and he says. Uh, you know, Tanner was at practice on Sunday night, which it's a walkthrough. Uh, from what I've heard, Tanner did not practice the previous week before that Northwestern game. Sounds like he's in the concussion protocol. And this would be his second concussion, I believe, in about three weeks. So mm -hmm. obviously you'd love to run him out there for senior day. But for He's the all-time winningest quarterback in the program. He is the most accurate pro, uh, quarterback in program history, but – you know, if all things were equal in my mind and Tanner's even healthy, I would still go with Ethan. I just think that, especially against an Iowa defense that is so good, so schematically sound, everybody knows where they're going to be. Ethan's ability to extend plays with his legs to keep this offense on track is going to be huge. 
Whereas Tanner Morgan may take a sack and it's second and 14. If Ethan can scramble for two or three yards and it's second and seven, I mean, that's going to mean the world to a Minnesota passing offense that just can't even complete routine plays right now. So that's the one we're watching. They're also going to be without their wide receiver one, Chris Ottman Bell. You'll remember him scoring a long touchdown last year in Kinnick Stadium. Uh, he tore his knee up in game three. Sounds like he is going to come back for a seventh season, which welcome Norm to Norm can't be the butt of the jokes anymore. <laughs> I know, not even Robbie Hummel anymore at this point either. Settles. So, so it's going to be something to where Minnesota's passing game just is struggling to make routine plays. And the funniest thing about you know all that is even with all their passing game issues, I am incredibly intrigued to see Minnesota's third down offense against Iowa because they are the number one offense in all of college football on third down. They're con- uh, I believe they're converting 55% of their third downs, which yeah. is obviously remarkable. So if Minnesota is going to be, you know, say a 15, 16 third downs in the day and they convert eight or nine, I'd feel pretty good about Minnesota being able to put up some points and what's going to be a barren tundra. Yeah, we got the chance to talk to Phil Parker for the first time in the second time in season. And I thought it was good timing. And he just said the thing that really stands out when you look at Minnesota is the third down, uh, the third down percentage, obviously, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But he said the offense doesn't hurt themselves. He said with the style of play, they don't get in a lot of third and long situations. And that's really helped them sustain drives this year, which I thought was a really interesting point from Phil. And I'm very intrigued about how Iowa's secondary and the cornerback specifically attack this this Minnesota running game. I mean, again, Iowa has not allowed that many explosive plays this season. I don't think they're really worried about allowing it over the top just with the matchup in this game. But I'm very intrigued. Does Iowa stack the box or are they going to do some cornerback blitzes or how are they going to mix some things up? So that's something to watch for me, too. But. Ryan, on the flip side for Minnesota, again, I don't expect Iowa to really attack downfield, but this Minnesota secondary has been very impressive to me this season. I mean, I think they're very senior-led. I think Tyler Newbin's been a very, very good defensive back. Uh, maybe linebacker is a little bit more down year than I, I, I would have anticipated. But what's been your overall assessment of just this Minnesota defense? They've been really good. I mean, they're one of the top, I think, 15 defenses in, a, in the country right now. I think if you look at um, some certain stats, I think they're eighth in total yards per game, fourth in terms of scoring defense, eighth in passing, passing yards allowed, 13th in rush defense. So on the flip side, it's not quite Phil Parker-esque, but it's a damn good defense that Minnesota's yeah. got. And I think the thing that stands out to me after watching them for 10 games is there's not a ton of superstars. You know, there isn't the the Cooper DeGene's, the Riley Moss, the Jack Campbell's, Lucas Van Ness's of the world. They have some good players like Tyler Newbin like Justin Wally, Terrell Smith, and that secondary, which is their strength. But they've been getting a boost from some younger guys like Ja Joyner, who just gave Peter Skaronsky the business last week, where he, had, I believe, had five pressures against what's going to be a first-round draft pick, uh, the left tackle for Northwestern. So uh, Cody Lindenberg at linebacker has really emerged here in the last few weeks. And that's where, you know, you look at the linebackers specifically. PFF doesn't like him too much uh, because Minnesota was susceptible. And one of the things I'll be watching this game is Sam Laporta in the middle of the field versus this yeah. gopher defense where when they were on that three-game losing streak in October, just like Iowa was, teams were picking on them over the middle. And that's where Cody Lindenberg, since that three-game uh, losing streak, has gotten exponentially more reps. I think they have really figured some things out there. But their leader there is Mariano Sorimera, number 55. When you put him against more athletic teams that try to get him out in space, that's where he struggles. But peace and love to the Iowa offense. 
in a game like this where everything's very much going to be north south this is the kind of game where sorry Marin comes to play so i mean the big thing for me is i, I looked at it and it's going to be in my preview for the for this game is three plays tell the story last year and why i will want a game in kinnick where minnesota had 40 minutes time of possession out outgained them by a hundred and nearly <laughs> 50 yards it was, I believe, the Keegan Johnson shimmy shake at the line where he accelerates, makes two guys miss uh, for a touchdown. You have the Charlie Jones double move on Justin Wally for a 70-yard score. And then it's Charlie Jones making a diving play to set up Iowa. I mean, those are the three plays. Those three plays alone accounted for 48% of Iowa's yardage last year. Yeah, Minnesota lost the explosive play battle, and so they lost the football game. And I can assure you, I just asked Joe Rossi, and, and it's definitely still in his craw. You know, this isn't an incredibly explosive Iowa offense. I don't have to tell you that, but that is going <laughs> to be their number one focus is make Iowa score from their own territory. I think I was looking at the stats. It's been like 26 drives, offensive drives, since Iowa has scored from, uh, scored a touchdown, I should say, uh, from their own territory. And it's been a long time. It's just, again... You can't yeah. let special teams kill you. You can't give Iowa the ball and in these situations where they only have to drive. Like last week, I mean, I can't tell you how frustrating <laughs> it is for me to watch when it's like I look up because, again, that game was going on during the Minnesota one, and yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, Iowa yeah. scored 24 points. Their longest offensive touchdown drive was like 18 yards. And I'm just like, how does this always happen? And it's just, again, that can't happen yeah. here at Huntington Bank Stadium if Minnesota expects to get their first win in the Fleck era. Dude, I've been saying this on, on radio shows when I've just spoke with people. Iowa over the past 22 games is the ultimate college football case study because there is no reason why Iowa should have had as many wins in that span as they have because the offense was ranked 121st last year. It's 130th this year. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to attribute one. I think LeVar Woods is the best special teams coordinator in the country. It's I a think. crime that he's only the 17th highest paid special teams coordinator. That needs to be rectified. It's insane. I will yeah. say, I think whenever Kirk calls it quits, I think LeVar Woods is the favorite to get the job. And he would have my endorsement just based mm-hmm. on, I know he hasn't had head coaching experience anywhere else, but you look at everything he's coached at Iowa. Mm-hmm. It, it's good. It, it's, it becomes great. Phil Parker's easily a top three defensive coordinator in the country. I would listen to a case for him being number one. And I think that's why Iowa fans also are so angry and agitated a lot is because they have two of the best coordinators in the country, but the offense can't even be average. The offense is average. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. 
I mean, Iowa's win 10, 11 games, then not eight or nine easily yeah, in my, without opinion. a doubt. I mean, and that's where it, you know, it comes down to that offensive line, which I think has been a disappointment, especially yeah. for Iowa standards. I mentioned uh, in the pre-production meeting, I think that I believe pro football focus has them with the second most pressures allowed behind Nebraska, which you I'm don't want to be anywhere near first. They were first for a while. I think you underestimate how truly bad the Nebraska oh. <laughs> offensive line is. Uh, but, and then Spencer Petrus, like, I don't, again, I don't have to tell you any of these things, but it's just yeah. interesting for me to look at like what pro football focus says about Spencer under pressure versus when he's kept clean, when he's under pressure, he's completing only 36% of his passes, yeah. one passing touchdown, four picks. And then on the flip side, when he's kept clean, 64% completion percentage, four to one touchdown to interception ratio. So, I mean, I think, I think we both know how each team is going to want to attack one another. Yeah. It's going to be stop Caleb Johnson on first and second down, put Iowa in these second and third and longs and try to get pressure because whoever makes the mistake first in a game like this, where I know Iowa has been involved in a lot of low over unders this year, but this one is currently sitting at, I think 31 and a half, 32 points. That's so gross. Again, I think the weather has, (laughs) has something to do with it, but this is also two really good defenses. Yeah. One anemic office. I would say one, Again, the running offense for Minnesota, I think, is pretty good, but the passing offense has just been a disaster yeah. for largely the last six games. So whoever doesn't make the mistake first is going to have a great chance in this game. And, and I think when you look at Spencer Petras, like he is capable of making the throws when he's kept clean. And, you know, I mm-hmm. gave Kirk Ferentz a lot of crap earlier in the season for not playing Padilla, myself and others. I think you, I mean, you follow me. I mean, I, I've been as critical of Iowa's offense as probably anybody. Sure. I've been, you know, I, I've asked questions and Kirk hasn't been thrilled with, but they're fair questions at the end of the day. But one thing has changed for me over the past six weeks. One, I think Kirk had a point earlier in the year when he said there hasn't been enough help around Spencer. It didn't d- excuse Spencer for not making the makeables because there were times where he just has to make the throw. Like you have to be able to make throws a third year starting quarterback. But he's done that over the past few weeks. And I think while Iowa's offense was not good against Wisconsin, the one difference that I saw was they took advantage of the opportunities. And I think when you and I were talking pre-Big Ten media days, I said Iowa's offense wasn't good last season, but when they were put in positions to score, they could put points on the board. Mm -hmm. And Iowa had not done that this year. But again, against Wisconsin, they put the ball in the end zone, set through the uprights. And I think that was a huge, huge key in that game. And the fact is Cooper DeGene is probably one of the best all-around football players in the country. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see him at a punt returner for a second straight week, even though Arlen Bruce is back from injury. But Cooper really showed me a lot on Saturday against Wisconsin. Uh, very Charlie Jones-esque in the punt return game. But it was interesting mm-hmm. he brought up the three plays as well. I mean, you're not going to about Keegan Johnson. He's still out. Okay. And Charlie's obviously at Purdue, which, oh, I don't know if you knew he was at Purdue. It's only mentioned. Is Arlen Bruce coming back? Yeah, Arlen's back. Okay. Yeah, Arlen, Arlen's healthy. Okay. Uh, so, so it's going to be him and Laporta essentially. Yeah. That Nico Regani. Okay. Yeah. That's about it though. I mean, Brody Brecht, if they do throw the ball downfield, Brecht has not had a lot of explosive plays, but they've shown that they will get, throw him the ball down the field from time to time. He's a big body. who's getting better and better. Another guy I would throw in too is Deontay Vines, who's been involved, especially early on the first quarter drives. I mean, his stats aren't eye popping, but there's a clear sense of trust from Petrus to Vines. Well, I also think you mentioned Petrus. It, it shouldn't surprise anybody that I was on a three-game winning streak when I believe they've only committed one turnover in the last yeah. three weeks. 
Yeah. Like when you're when you're Iowa and you're plus two or three or four or whatever it may be every week, you're going to win a lot of football games. Now you mentioned Cooper DeGene in the punt return game. I would say this: I'd be shocked, absolutely flabbergasted, gobsmacked, whatever verbatim or verbiage you want to use, <laughs> if uh, he returns a punt in this game. And why I say that is. Minnesota's punter, Mark Crawford, is going to give you 39 yards, whether you need 39, 49, 59. I mean, that's going to be one of the key discrepancies in this game is Minnesota has only allowed three punt return yards all season. Wow. Now, they their gunners are really good, but when the average, again, they're 13th in the Big Ten in yards per punt, and that's where Torrey Taylor, you know, leads the, I believe he leads the Big Ten and punts inside the 20, leads the Big Ten with 50-plus yard punts with 21. Well, Torrey Taylor's got 21 of those. Mark Crawford has four. So if that wind also is coming in from what is going to be the open end zone, which again, it's projected to be, it's going to be which team has to punt into the wind, which team gets the punt at their back. I mean, it's going to be something to watch or even just the block kicks. I mean, I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Iowa's got three blocked punts on the season. Yeah. So two against Iowa State and then one last week. Uh, I think back to that game last year in Kinnick, they, Iowa blocks a 53-yard field goal attempt for Minnesota, and that's where it just comes down to. You know, One of my keys to the game, if Minnesota's going to win, is don't lose because Iowa special teams are specialer than you. Like If Iowa special teams just don't block a kick, you don't allow them a long return, Like you're going to be sitting there with a good chance. But if you gift Iowa field position inside the 20 – they have shown consistently throughout the entire era of Kirk Ferentz, they're going to make you pay. And I haven't brought this up a lot this season, but I think just because, as you mentioned, the weather is going to be a factor, I think that's going to be a low-scoring game. Drew Stevens is looking like he's going to be one of the best kickers in the country for the next few years. I mean, again, mm-hmm. Lamar Wood special. True freshman has been absolutely outstanding this year. I believe he kicked a 50 He's 50- got two from 50. I believe he's only missed two on the year, and that's where Minnesota yeah. on the other side. Uh, you know, Matthew Trickett, their kicker, has only missed one kick. So that's where I think both kickers, um, again, when the a game like this, when it's yep. projected to be a two or three point spread and a very little point scored, special teams are going to matter. And I don't have to tell Iowa Hawkeye listeners of all people. <laughs> no, I mean, there's, I guess, you know, to keep this going along really quick, Ryan, what's your kind of under the radar matchup that you don't feel like people are, are paying close enough attention to? Because I feel like on the surface level, everybody's like, okay, both teams are going to run the football. Whoever runs the football better and doesn't shoot themselves in the foot is going to win. Is it that simple or is there more under the radar lines? I just think Minnesota, here's what I'll say is, I don't have to tell you, PJ Flex 0-5 against Kirk Ferentz. And I think when Fleck has played Ferentz, he gets so spun up about trying not to make the mistake. It's okay to make a mistake against Iowa. And what I mean by that is don't be afraid to throw the ball down the field. To your point, there are very few explosive plays against this Iowa defense. And Riley Moss and Cooper DeGene are very, very good at what they do. It's why they're going to be all Big Ten here in a few weeks. But you can't just have, like Iowa State did, like a 29-play drive that goes 99 yards. That's that's not sustainable to have. You have to be able and willing to take some shots down the field because say Riley Moss picks one off at the, you know, the Iowa 20. I have no faith at all that Spencer Petrus is going to lead an 80 yard touchdown drive against Minnesota's defense. Yep. You can't just dink and dunk your way. I mean, that's why I think Jeff Brom has had so much success against Kirk Ferentz is 
he knows I'm just, you know, we make a mistake. Oh, well, you just got to be able to live with it and know that, especially with this current iteration of the Iowa team, where I think special teams are continue to be sensational. I think their offense is worse than what it was last year and their defense is better. So if you do turn the ball over in Iowa territory, I just, it, you live with it and then you get another shot at it. But I think it comes down to explosive plays. I mean, which yeah. team can generate them and is it which side of the ball is it going to be Iowa's offense hits some shot plays is it Minnesota's offense that hits some shot plays and if it is Ethan Kaliak Manis versus Spencer Petrus who makes the first mistake who blinks first I mean those are going to be my things I'll definitely be watching I think it's an interesting point too and you know something I've always thought about you know, when teams get too conservative about, you know, against Iowa. And I, I agree with you. I think Purdue, the reason why they've beaten Iowa so much the past few years, because they throw the ball downfield time and time and time again. And it has nothing to do with how how good their offenses or how bad Iowa's defense is, but that's the best strategy against Iowa. Eventually you're going to hit it. And if your punter is not good, okay, you turn it over. That's you throw the ball down the field 40 yards, it's turnover. Okay. It's like a it's essentially a punt outside i guess if you want to buy into yeah it, I mean, it's just, momentum it's just essentially an arm punt which again yeah. against the iowa offense it, it as long as you don't allow cooper DeGene to then return it 40 yards for a touchdown or riley moss or jack campbell whoever it may be like you're going to live to see another day against this iowa yeah. offense now is can tory taylor pin you inside the 20 absolutely we just talked about how he leads the big 10 in that category but don't be afraid to make a mistake especially at home especially on senior day like, there's going to be a lot of emotion in this game. Like, I can tell you, Muhammad Ibrahim wants to beat no team more than the Iowa Hawkeyes because he's well aware that in his five years, he's never done it. Yeah. And again, so we'll see what happens. But again, I think explosive plays and just Minnesota's willingness on offense to go to a passing game that hasn't been good. You can't abandon it against Iowa. That's not how this works. Let me ask you this, too, because this is something I think you and I both talked about, again, pre-Big Ten, and it's, this is my philosophy. It's hard for me to pick a team to upset a team when they're on a long losing streak. I mean, it's why I picked Iowa to beat Iowa State so many times. It's why I picked Purdue to beat Iowa so many times, mm -hmm. because they just so difficult to snap. And we, we look at what's going on right now with Minnesota, and I'm a believer of it's just as much mental as it is actually on the field versus sure. the on-field product. I mean – Mistakes are going to be more gratifying and, and apparent for Minnesota than Iowa simply because Iowa in the back of their minds, I think this is my opinion, not what the team thinks that Iowa just has a subtle feeling that we're going to win this game because we've had such continued success. Do you really buy into that mantra or that mindset or what are you kind of thinking? I mean, yes and no. I mean, I, I think especially for, I guess, guys in the media like you and I, you got to look at each team and each version of each team as their own iteration. Like the yeah. 2021 Iowa team and the 21 Minnesota team are very different. Uh, and also some somewhat similar from last year, but these are two very different teams. And yes, I mean, I, I definitely think that you can look at it and say, I was confident they're going to do it because they have and which they should. I mean, that's the way that they should look at it. But I also think that, you know, we've, I've seen in the Fleck tenure, a lot of streaks snapped. Um, and now this is one that this is the big one. This is the one that hasn't happened. And if it's not going to happen against what is the, arguably the worst offense in college football, now it's been better, I guess, I in the last three weeks. I, I, I honestly think it's the worst. And I don't think it's a talent issue, but that's a story for another day. 
look, it's going to be like, if you just don't get so spun up that you're own five, that you think you have to be perfect. If you just go out and play the game that they have, because again, I think these teams are very similar in terms of where they're coming in at. Both of them lost the first three games of October. Both of them were, I believe both were, I think two of the losses were against ranked teams. Yeah. And now they're both on three game winning streaks. Minnesota gets the game at home. I think that's important, uh, especially in a tight game like this, where you don't have to go into Kinnick and deal with all the voodoo and magic and things that happen there. Again, I don't have to tell you about Kinnick under the lights. So I think it all, I think it matters, but I also think that, you know, especially at this point of the season, game 11 is about who's healthy, who's going to want to show up in the cold and what team just doesn't make the mistake. Big 10 West football. No offense, great defenses, cold weather. I mean, it, you really can't ask for much more. And I'm very curious how Iowa's offensive line bounces back. I mean, look, they 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 were horrible last week. I thought they put together two really good steps forward mm-hmm. against Purdue and Northwestern. But, again, it's Purdue and Northwestern. But the thing that stood out to me about Petrus over the last couple of weeks that I don't think can be swept under the rug is he has shown bounce-back ability. I mean, there was a play, I think, of the Purdue game where he missed Luke Lachey on a third down. You see Brian really getting after Spencer. I mean, hard. And we haven't seen that, at least on camera, all season long. Spencer goes back out there, leads a 91-yard 90 touchdown drive, leads yep. another touchdown drive. So you see him kind of bounce back and get that confidence. So I think that's important as well. And again, I think this is a game where it, it's, it's beautiful for Mo Ibrahim and for Caleb Johnson. I mean, two just... They love the contact. They love to battle through the contact. I think this is a perfect Iowa-Minnesota game. This is just the most – if you draw it on a piece of paper, you write the story of it, this is what you would expect. So, Ryan, if you uh, you feel good enough to give a prediction right now or do you want to wait for your preview? (laughs) No, I can give one right now if you want. Let's do it. So that's where I come down to. I think third down is going to be a big thing. Minnesota is the second-best team defensively in the country on third down. Their offense is the number one. you know, I think it comes down to what team do you think can be more efficient on offense? And I think this game being at home for Minnesota matters. Um, I think that Minnesota makes enough plays just because I think Minnesota is going to be able to generate pressure on Spencer Petrus. I think they're going to be able to stop the run. They're one of the best run defenses in America. If they can stop Caleb Johnson and put this Iowa offensive line and an immobile quarterback in second and third and long, he's going to make mistakes. I mean, it's just been tried and true throughout the year is when you can stop Iowa's running game, which again, easier said than done. We saw that Caleb Johnson 200 yard game where he forces 14 missed tackles. He's going to be a really good big 10 running back. Yeah. But I think you're going to be able to force Spencer Petrus into a couple turnovers. Um, I think that Mohammed Ibrahim is going to continue to find success. Now success in a game like this, maybe 35 carries for 115 yards, but it's going to be, I think Minnesota makes enough plays and Spencer Petrus trying to lead Iowa back on the final drive, throws it and throws it away with pressure in his face to Tyler Newbin. So I'm going to say Minnesota 14, Iowa 13, but I wouldn't disagree with anybody one way or another because it just comes down to what team blinks, what team yeah. just doesn't, um, you know, make the mistake. And that's where I think Iowa's defense is a little bit better than Minnesota's. I think uh, Minnesota's offense is better than what I was is. And then it comes down to does special teams matter in a game like this? We went over that earlier, but yeah, 
if you can kind of nullify them because your punter is what he is and your kickoff guy just kicks it out through the end zone every time, if you take the Iowa return game out of it and you don't let them get to Mark Crawford for a block punt, I think if all things being equal with this game at Minnesota, I just give them the slight edge. And again, I don't think that's a bad take at all. I mean, I don't think it's a shoe in for Iowa to go into Minnesota and beat them. And it seems crazy, but I'm going to rely on Iowa special teams and defense, put them in positions. Sure. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I mean it's, it's, it's so ridiculous. Like you can't think this about any other team in the country, but they find a way to put Iowa's offense in positions. I think Caleb Johnson gets yards when it matters. I think that Minnesota's defense will make enough plays defensively, but it's very similar to the Wisconsin game. I mean, Iowa had it locked down, but they really moved the ball well late in the fourth quarter just to sort of seal the deal. I think that they can get that done. I think Torrey Taylor has a huge game, just the battle of the field position. And as you mentioned, I think special teams are going to matter. I think the thing about Iowa too and I understand why you think Petrus might turn the ball over. If he's forced to throw the ball late in the game, then I could see it. But if Iowa gets stopped on first and second down, they face a third and 15, guess what Iowa's doing? They're not throwing the ball. They're giving a <laughs> halfback draw. They're doing a run up the middle. They're not going to go for it. I mean, that's just what right. Iowa's been this year because I think it's a combination of they they want to rely on their special teams and, and defense, which is fine. You can get away with it. But they don't want to turn the ball over. They don't have the guys right now. They don't have the scheme. They don't have the playbook to do that. So I think Iowa's going to play it more safe than than sorry. And I think I'm almost with you on 14-13, but I'm flipped with Iowa. Like, I really think that that could be the case. But I'm going to go 16-13. to 13. I think Stevens is going to That's a hit. glorious Big Ten score I right know, there if right? I've ever seen one. I think, yeah, just under, just, just barely under the under, too, for the over-under. Stevens hits three field goals. And Iowa get punches the ball in the end zone once. I mean, yeah, it's just about which, which I don't know, that narrative or story you want to listen to in terms of if Iowa wins, we know how Iowa's going to win. It's going to be yeah. defense and field position. I have a hard time believing it'll be because three-shot plays on offense like it was last year. And if Minnesota yeah. wins, it's because they don't let Iowa special teams have a giant day. And they're just able to do enough to win in a low-scoring game. So I don't blame you at all. It, it just comes down to – which story do you think is more likely? And yeah. either one of them are, again, I think it's a 50-50 coin flip. I love this conversation, but this is gross. I mean, this is gross. <laughs> ten football. Look, right? you got two top 10 defenses <laughs> that are really good at what they do. This is what, like, we're not going to the Big 12 to watch all the all the things in there. So, Oh, my God. When yeah. it's going to be 13, 14 degrees out with a northwest wind at 10, this is the kind of score that you're going to be projecting. If you're projecting 54 to 52, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I, here's the thing. I want almost to bite us in the butt. I want Caleb Johnson and Mo Ibrahim to go for 250, a pop, three touchdowns. Right. Just make it absolutely disgusting. But Ryan Burns, go for illustrated.com does, does a fantastic job for us, uh, man. It's always good catching up with you. And I, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.